Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and still on that contemporary romance novel kick via audiobook, of course. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who is prepping her sad light for the season changes. Already? Gotta dust that bad boy off. We're here to talk about the cultural politics of fat bodies in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the greater Midwest. All right, on to the next one. It's The, the Fat, fat Dish. Dish. It's time for The Fat Dish, where we share or dish about what's going on in our community and personally. So this is such a big one, we have to talk about it again. On October 12th, Flyover Fest presents Lindy West and Samantha Irby. Flyover's inaugural festival here in Minneapolis will feature two of the most important and hilarious voices in culture today, Lindy West and Samantha Irby. Lindy West, of course, is the author of Shrill, which the groundbreaking Hulu series is based off of. Samantha Irby is a critically acclaimed author, creator of the blog Bitches Gotta Eat, and is a writer for the Shrill television series. Samantha wrote the you know, quote unquote, pool episode that has had yeah. a lot of uh, focus and attention, especially from us in this season. Um, this event will feature the two in conversation with each other, discussing their work, life, contemporary culture, and body image. And we're a sponsor for the event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Along with Cake Plus Size Resale and The Coven. Tickets are now $47.50 and they're selling quick. Next up, we have a community reading group event to share. So it's part two of the Fearing the Black Body reading group on September 24th. This group is discussing the book F- Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strings. So I went to this last one. I think I talked about it here. Um, and I really enjoyed the discussion so far. I have, well, I've enjoyed what I've read so far of the book, which, let's be honest, I've listened more to what I can find of the author on podcasts. (laughs) Um, But I am excited to read part two and to be part of this discussion on Tuesday, September 24th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at Real Life Coffee and Yoga in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. We're excited to be at the Radical Health Alliance's Rad Fat Adventure Camp at the end of September. Yeah. We'll be doing our first ever live podcast during one of those sessions, and we can't wait to see some of you there. Yes, see you there. How much have you been loving our ad interludes this season? We've enjoyed bringing you a little moment of reprieve between segments and look forward to highlighting your product or business, or maybe you just want to give a shout out to a friend who listens. How cute is that? Pretty darn cute. We're cute. You're cute. Make sure the people know by getting into an upcoming Matter of Fact episode. Matter of Fact. Per usual, I start out this fat dish thinking it's paltry and light, but then the more I think about it, the more I realize that I'm moving and shaking out here. Uh, first, I need to come clean about my basicity. What? Uh, basicity, not the number of hydrogen atoms replaceable by a base in a particular acid, <laughs> rather a high level of engaging in hashtag basic behavior. Basicity, TM, 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 TM. I love it. It's kind of like basic and bay. Uh-huh. That's right, because I am. I am both. Mm-hmm. Um, and my peak basicity is due to the fact that I have purchased and wholeheartedly enjoyed a pumpkin spice cream cold press without irony or shame. I love it. <laughs> uh, it was delicious. And fall is here, y'all. I went to Fresh Time on University, and the whole place smelled like cinnamon spice. So I think that our weather patterns are just trying to keep up with the retail seasons at this point. <laughs> It's not global climate change, it's retail. It's retail. <laughs> um, but actually, things I've, that I've been excited about are people being bold and achieving their dreams. I'm, I'm sounding very much like you. Now, oh my Kat. gosh, here for it. Mm-hmm. 
it's so sappy, but as I've gotten older, I've become both sappy and cynical. Um, so I really treasure pure, pure moments of happiness and achievements because life is just too hard sometimes. Uh, my university that I work for just had a commencement ceremony, and it was so amazing to see these families and their graduates come to celebrate and cherish the growth, learning, and development that these individuals achieved at like such great financial and personal cost, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was helping to direct people to registration, and there were some great signs around saying, you know, quote unquote, masterfully done for master's degrees or just what the doctor ordered for doctoral graduates. Okay, Saraya, did you make these signs? I wish I could That's take credit so for it. Up your alley. Oh my gosh. It was so cute because these families would get together and they'd have their pictures taken in front of it, or they'd have like the little kid hand like stand in front of it and say, like, future masters. Oh, it was just amazing. Cute. And this woman was trying to take a selfie and it, it just didn't work out. The sign was too mm -hmm. big and she, she didn't have enough distance. And so, like any good millennial, I offered to take a photo and I asked her, you know, what degree did she finish? She got her master of science in nursing. And she said that she didn't realize there was a photo op. So she told everybody to stay back at the hotel while she checked in. Oh. Um, and she said she felt stupid. And I was like, what? No. Wait, what? What do you mean? And she said that as she had checked in and registered for graduation, uh, all the volunteers at the graduation desk had just started cheering for her. Oh, how sweet. And she broke out in tears. Oh. And then I started tearing. I'm like, you're not stupid. No. Like, if anybody can understand or wants to celebrate this with you, it's all of us yes. who are part of the university and excited to see you here. Um, and if she couldn't cry there, where could she cry? And it was just so cool to see the stranger be so vulnerable and share in this moment of complex joy. And uh, gosh, there's so much of that around me these days. Um, I've had friends move far away this year, mm -hmm. people dear to me starting in law school and challenging themselves in new and scary and bold ways. And a dear friend of mine just performed at a story slam and their words were poetry and music and they won, but it also, oh. I know, and it made me just get out of myself a little bit Yeah, and recognize the, all the beauty that there is. And I'm here for all the people daring to do something good and challenging and bringing a little bit of beauty into the world that has felt lately like a sucking hole of hopelessness, mm -hmm. if you're paying, to the, <laughs> paying attention to the news anyways. So, um, yeah, was a, what else? What else makes me happy? Oh, we're going to Pink Sweats. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So September 15th, Pink Sweats, Pink, uh, like the color pink, Sweats, S-W-A-E-A-T dollar sign, <laughs> will be in town. He'll be at the fine line, and we are excited. So I was trying to think of, like, how to describe his his musical mm -hmm. styling, I would say he's on par with, you know, Cat's Miguel Shower Time. Okay, that feels <laughs> like a lot of information to be sharing. You suggested uh, it to me. That's when I you play Pink Sweats. Sounds, okay, so I am I the only woman who, when I take a shower at night, turns my, like, Miguel's playlist on? I just, it's, yeah. like, a, it's like a lot of Miguel and Frank, <laughs> Frank Ocean, and it's just nice. Um, this feels, like, really sexual, and I promise it's, like, not It's not at all, folks. Um, it's just shower time. But, but I started listening the other day to Pink Sweats instead because um, I thought that would be like kind of on the same like kind of the same it vibe is, and yeah. it is I like it His mm -hmm. same vibe so he wrote a song on Chance the Rapper's newest album and it's just a fabulous larger lad that's got 
like Kat said, Frank Ocean vibes, Miguel mm-hmm. vibes, slightly different. And, you know, I've been wearing a lot more pink than ever before. There's no correlation between this and I like love that. this aesthetic, but it is everything. It's pink everything. And I'm excited to see this performance. Me too. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to know about it. I yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't have known cause, except for you. Shout out to people keeping me hip so I can keep Kat hip. Thank you. We're just all in this together. <laughs> um, other tickets that oh, Kat mm-hmm. and I recently got, uh, we got... Tickets to the WNYC Studios Women in Podcasting Work at Conference, and I am so excited. (laughs) So it's this conference. It's going to be at the Ace Theater and Hotel in downtown L.A. in October, and we're going to hear from some amazing big names in podcasting and get some, you know, mentoring and professional development opportunities, which are so desperately needed and, like, thirsted after. It's a Mm -hmm. weird way to phrase that, but I'm just really excited. I am whelmed and on the verge of overwhelmed with excitement. Um... Which honestly helps me cope with the fact that we uh, we didn't hit up the fair this year. Oh, yeah. We didn't see any go. llamas this year. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I saw a lot of the llamas from the Llama 4-H costume contest um, on other people's Instagrams. Thank you for posting those. Uh, we didn't eat any mango nata shaved ice. I still have yet to experience what a pronto puff tastes Don't like. Don't come for her, folks. Last year was her first year, so that's not... You Thank know, you. Please... Yes. Please be nice. <laughs> but honestly, like, I'm okay with not going to the fair this year. I'm sure we'll go another year soon. Yeah. Fortunately, it comes back every year. So that's good. And it's bigger. It, it expanded this year. So really? there's a lot. Yeah. They built out a whole new section. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, maybe we would have gotten it if we'd known. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, now we know. <laughs> Next year. Um, <laughs> other than not going to the fair, what's been what's been going on with you, Kat? Um, I got sick this past week, which, like, or maybe it was just allergies. I don't know. It took me, like, three days to realize that I was actually sick. Um, It was essentially, like, Leslie Nope in that episode of Parks and Recreation (laughs) where she refuses to admit she's sick. (laughs) Because truly, like, lately, I just don't get sick that much. And I don't know. Maybe it was allergies. Did anybody bring you, uh, you know, waffles in the hospital? hospital? I was not hospitalized, so no. (laughs) Um, There maybe were people like spraying hand sanitizer on their their helmets, like Tom Haverford in that episode. (laughs) But (laughs) actually, Sydney came in to the shop, um, and I like Lysoled everything down. Like the phone rang, I was like, "It's clean," and then she grabbed it. Like we were really, (laughs) I was diligent. (laughs) But honestly, so I think that part of. what kind of contributed to like my weakened immune system was that I didn't I feel like I didn't sleep a lot okay. the week previous and I'd like to say it was like all because of working, working too late, hard which working I do a lot. you know like but constantly there's no other reason that okay. it couldn't have been no to be if I'm what's the answer I, mm-hmm. <laughs> um I was staying up way too late several nights in a row listening to what else audiobooks oh my God. <laughs> okay so my recent obsession is a steamy rom-com series by Alexa Martin so I found her books through Jasmine Guillory because I finished her books real quick and needed more of this John oh excuse me genre <laughs> just kidding genre. hot and bothered already <laughs> um I just like needed more of this genre because it's like be qu- quickly becoming one of my faves so Alexa Martin, the person who wrote these, um, the other books that I've gotten into, is the wife of a professional football player. So that's like basically the context for these books. They're that's like, also the start of every one of the, like a book that you would read. That's a rom com. Alexa Martin, <laughs> wife to professional football player, thought she had it all and then it all crumbled. Like that's exactly what it I is. I mean, you're not lying. Okay. Um. So like the, I mean, in these like kind of steamy modern romance novels, the love interest is always a character. Um. Or the sorry, the love interest of the main character is an NFL player. Okay, on this fictional team that's like based on the Denver Broncos. <laughs> 
When I tell you I am here for it, like, honestly, I'm surprised how into these I got. Because, yeah, the NFL is basically trash. But would I fall in love with a go-getting professional athlete after listening to these books? Yep. Any day of the week. New man on the Minnesota Vikings. Come through. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wish. Um, There are two books in the series so far with another one coming out this fall. And, I mean, yeah, okay, it's, like, not very realistic in many ways. But I've been channeling that, like, let go and let Guillory vibe, and I'm loving it. Um, Hi. Quick PSA, just in case you don't know what Let Go and Let Guillory is all about. Kat loves chiclet, and Jasmine Guillory is a favorite author of hers, and I coined the phrase Let Go and Let Guillory two episodes ago because Kat is deep in the weeds, and sometimes my cynical heart just needs to let go and let Guillory. So aside from staying up too late listening to audiobooks, hashtag classic cat, um, lots has been going on. One of the big things is that I joined the NLC board. Yay! Yeah, so you might remember us talking about NLC, New Leaders Council, a few episodes ago. This summer, Saray and I went to one of their fundraisers. Um, NLC is a national organization training progressive millennials. So there's chapters in lots of cities and states, and I was a fellow in 2015 when I was living in New Orleans, and now I'm involved with a local chapter here in the Twin Cities. So apps are out actually right now for the Spring Institute, which is the signature program of NLC. It's a five-month institute where a cohort of fellows meet one weekend of each month to learn from volunteer faculty that talk up their experts in like fundraising, new media, communication strategies, campaign management, policy, and much more. So cool. So cool. Um, the institute curriculum trains fellows in the skills that are needed to run for public office or like support people who are to start a nonprofit or to launch a business. Amazing. All very cool. That's so cool to have all that knowledge in one place. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the absolute best. Um, And so the application deadline for the upcoming spring um, institute, the deadline is October 1st. And if you're you're interested, you can totally feel free to get in touch with me. Um, I'm like, would love, love, love to talk about it. Um, And if you don't want to talk to me, but do want to find out more information, (laughs) it's (laughs) newleaderscouncil.org. Our local chapter is very rad and liberal and thoughtful about equity. And I'm so excited to be able to dedicate more time to this type of thing. Okay, also, hi, I'm on another panel. Okay, good to know. Um, I just feel like it's my duty to share these things. I don't know if you're interested, but I feel like, world, I should tell you. Um, There's So the the next one I'm on is uh, Sunday, September 22nd, and it's during Fashion Week Minnesota. It's called... Retail Revealed, Success Secrets from Hometown Brands, of which I am one, which is so flattering. Um, It's put on by Queen Anna House of Fashion. So I'll be on this panel with several local business owners, and we're going to have an open and transparent conversation about the truths behind fashion retail, merchandise, and design. This event is for fashion designers, retail merchandisers, fashion buyers, or fashion-related business owners. We'll be sharing tips and tricks to the trade um, to not only operate like successful businesses, but profitable ones. Very cool. You can find out more and buy tickets on Facebook or Eventbrite and or link in our show notes. It's always in the show notes. Yes. Unless it's not. Unless <laughs> but it's usually, it's usually in the show notes. Okay, um, and I have one more update, but oh whoa, we are really full of personal updates in this uh, app. Yeah, you do, do you like this? You, yeah, you the listener. Do yeah. you like the robust nature of our personal updates in the Fat Dish? Because we dig it. But if it's hampering your listening experience, please let us know. You got to let us know. So one last thing that we'll share. Um, I was recently interviewed and filmed for a TPT Minnesota original. 
TPT is our local PBS station, and Minnesota Original is TPT's award-winning series starring Minnesotans from diverse backgrounds working in arts and activist spaces. Yes, yes, yes. It's a web series, and sometimes it airs on TV. Um, yeah, and they came, and the, like the best part of all of this was that they came to film us here at the KFAI yes. studio to include Matter of Fat as the, in the feature. Uh, it was weird and wonderful and so much fun to like try to be quote unquote natural here in the studio <laughs> while we were being filmed and recorded. We don't really factor in like what we look like at any given yeah, time. We yeah, we look real silly when yeah. we record. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it was just such a delight. The TPT folks were so awesome. Um, and. I mean, it was just like an honor to be part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially to feature you because I think you're oh, so sweet. deserving Thank and you. it's exciting and I can't wait to see it. It's me, me neither. I'm very interested to see it and we'll, of course, share with y'all once it comes out. Um, I also like I think it's a fairly common knowledge thing that it's a dream of mine to be on some kind of reality <laughs> TV show. So, yeah, this was just amazing. <laughs> you got to start that IMDb page okay. somewhere, I guess. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, I think with that, we've covered all our updates and we're ready to get into our interview. This episode, we interview Patrice Anthony. Patrice is a friend, fellow Hamlin alum, and just so much more. I was trying to think of how to introduce her, and we just talked about so much, so hopefully you feel like it's a chat amongst friends. Patrice, we're so happy you're with us today. (laughs) Uh, And so we have to start out how we do all the time. Um, Please start by telling us your story as a matter of fact. Okay, so hi. Uh, My name is Patrice Anthony. I am black. I'm queer, I am woman identified, and uh, surprise, surprise, I am fat. Um, <laughs> so I thought about this for a really long time, and I sent Kat probably like too many messages about like my worries. That's okay. Um, so I think like it's probably, or not probably, but like maybe a surprise to like you two or people who know me that I feel like I'm maybe just at the beginning of my like body positive fat liberation. Uh, j- journey. I love that you <laughs> used quotes. Thank you. Quest. I don't know what to call it. Um, just because I feel like my fatness has always been backburnered by mm-hmm. like all of my other identities that are like more prevalent. Like mm-hmm. I'm definitely black. I am definitely woman identified. I'm definitely queer, and those things have been at the forefront for me. And so now I feel like I'm at a time in my life where I'm mm-hmm. like, let's explore my fatness now. Yeah. Um. And so I think, like, if I want to, like, go back to the beginning or whatever, like, I've been fat pretty much my whole life. There was never a time that I wasn't fat. Um, And so there wasn't ever, like, a moment where I was, like, I used to be thin and now I'm fat. Mm -hmm. So I was, like, never, like, thinking about fatness and thinness. And I, I also think I remember listening to... Andrea, is that her name? Andrea, mm-hmm. Sanow? Yeah. Who was on the pod last season? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so she said something to the effect of like, she grew up in Christianity, and Christianity said, You are perfect as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something else said, But you need to change. And so that gave her inner strength. And I think that uh, growing up in the black community, mm-hmm. like the beauty standard is different so there was this sense of being like you're black you're beautiful you're already f- amazing i'm mm-hmm. not gonna drop the f-bomb <laughs> <laughs> you're already amazing um but this like sort of like back um 
voices saying like, but maybe fat is not a good mm. thing to be. Mm. Um, and so in my youth and and also through like young adulthood, I um, had a pretty serious like binge purging eating disorder, mm-hmm. content warning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but like there was this, always this duality there where I was like, I am so smart and like academically knew like, eating disorders are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and like everyone should just be respected for who they are and whatever they're doing. And the same thing with like my blackness and my queerness. And it always felt like a intellectually, like a duh sort of moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like brain chemistry and societal pressures are real. Mm-hmm. When you talk about kind of just coming into this journey now, like what does that look like for you? Mm. Um, so I guess that's sort of exploring um, how I want to be and present to the world. I feel like mm-hmm. I've always expressed myself in any way that I can, um, either through like fashion or writing or whatever. I've sort of always been like out there and loud and proud, but all about like my blackness or my queerness mm-hmm. and not necessarily about my fatness. Um, so I feel like the, me now doing that is like me being like, I'm fat. Hey, hey. <laughs> like, yesterday was a, like a beautiful sunny day and I like wore a crop top for the first time. Yes. Like, yes. Tummy out, and I was like, I'm looking good. And then also everyone in my book club was like, dang, girl, you look good. And yes. I was like, you're right, I do. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love all of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So interesting that... Both Kat and I know you from Hamlin, alma mater, mm-hmm. Reign Supreme, yeah. and all of these. Should we do the Piper Club? No. no. <laughs> I would if you wanted, but I think that was not a serious question. Yeah, I'm going to politely decline from that request at this time. Um, but so I met you through like the Wesley Center, which was doing a lot of cool social justice work, and you were doing cool community work, and you have been in some capacity that I don't even I'm not even fully aware of since undergrad and so we're just wondering like obviously you can't share it all but what have been some highlights in your work or community involvement over the years yeah so professionally I've jumped all over the place since college I left college and I did AmeriCorps, like many people in the graduating in the <laughs> yeah. recession did. Yep. We're like, how can we get jobs? Oh, let's let's uh, do this work below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did AmeriCorps and I did employment services for a long time on the north side, and that segued me into uh, doing career services and working with students at Le Cordon Bleu, um, and then from there made a like totally different job. I think I've had like four careers now. I'm only 30. (laughs) Very millennial of me. Um, And started doing doula work and working in the Twin Cities birth community. Um, And then from there became a nanny, which I did for like five years and super loved, which has honestly probably been my favorite career. Um, And now I work at a nonprofit, uh, which focuses on ending gender-based violence. Yeah. Oh, so I've been all over the place. <laughs> that all sounds like, like I don't know, I want to say very fun work, but also very like meaningful work too, mm. right? What have, um, like, 
not that you need to choose, but of all of those experiences, um, yeah, what have, have there been things that have stood out to you or like, I don't know, is there more that you want to share around that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think probably the most impactful work for me has been like my doula work or the work that I did as a nanny. I think like both of those roles are really about like holding space and holding witness for people to like be them full se- their full selves, yeah. um, either like as children becoming adults mm-hmm. and like learning how to be um, and telling them like you can be any way you want to be. Like mm-hmm. let's explore these things or like people who are. Um, pregnant and going to be delivering to be like this is a very primal thing and you are going to become someone maybe different than yourself <laughs> that you thought that you could be um, so I think yeah those those sort of rites of passages moments yeah. have been super impactful for, for me and I think that I've always been the sort of person who's like like a cheerleader type person. I've like mm-hmm. in the background being like, you can do it. Yeah. So both of those per, like professions felt very natural to me to be mm-hmm. like, you can do it. Yeah. Hmm. How did you make the switch between all of those? Or like how, cause how did that manifest for you? <laughs> uh, sloppily? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not the adjective I would have thought. <laughs> um, no, I think like, I'm I've always been the sort of person who lives in the moment. So like when things happen there, that's like what is supposed to happen. So um, either, you know, like a decision was made for me or I, you know, was like, this is not serving me. So I'm going to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. Like when I left career services, it was because I got laid off, but I was already transitioning into doula work, doing Mm -hmm. that training. Then I was like, well, this just means I should throw myself into it wholeheartedly, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing when I left doula work and started nannying, I was like, oh, this is something that I was exploring anyway, and now it's just going to happen. So um, yeah, the transitions weren't always clean or easy, but I think that like I've just been sort of like taking opportunities as they come and I think from the outside it probably seems like what are you doing with (laughs) your life Patrice but I think that yeah each one has taught me something and has served me in a way and then it's time for me to let that go and like move on to something else that feels just like very serendipitous you know like you said floppy but it really it feels like <laughs> it's just it, in all those instances it's like you kind of started to shift your focus to something else and then like everything just kind of made it possible for you to pursue it that's really beautiful right. yeah i mean you're talking about creating spaces for other people but you're also actively making space for the things that you enjoy and that can allow you to engage fully by going from one thing to a ne- the next Like, I know, personally, I guess I should speak from my personal experience, like, I'm so afraid of instability that I I couldn't do that. But then I'm hearing about, like, how freeing that is for you or how it's shaped your worldview and allowed you to really engage in a different way. So I think that's super cool. It's very classic Gemini of me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm a Capricorn, so that's where we're here. Oh, yeah. You're just goals-oriented. You need to be moving on to the next thing. So I'm... Actually, I have a like job related follow up. Yeah, question, yeah, kind of. I'm interested in your doula work yeah. and or your nannying work. Mm-hmm. Like, how does body stuff come up in those spaces, and how was it like engaging with people around body positivity, fat politics, that kind of thing? If it if it came up, yeah. 
I would say that it probably came up less in my doula work. Um, it wasn't often, actually, that I got the opportunity to work with, like, fat-identified people mm-hmm. or people who were just fat. I think probably mm-hmm. because of, like, where my niche was. I was, like, working um, pre- predominantly at a birth center, and lots of clients came my way through that, and there were rules and stipulations around that birth center about, like, oh. who... Be- because it was an out-of-hospital birth center, oh. um, who could receive services there interesting um and so if you were over a certain weight you could not receive services there you were considered high risk and so you Mm. would need to seek services elsewhere um and so i mean there there are so many body changes that happen when people are pregnant that most of it was about like accepting those body changes and being comfortable with that and coaching people through that and saying like your body is fine just the way it is. This is natural. This is what's happening. Um, so less around fat liberation, but more just about general acceptance of yeah. changes that are happening to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I don't know if you've ever been around preschool children, but they <laughs> are body inquisitive yes. AF. Yes. Like, they're like, what's this? What's that? What does this do? What's that do? Why is that like that? You're fat. They're thin. What's that? They just have so many questions, mm-hmm. and it's all observation, and there's no moralizing from them. They're just taking everything in, and they're like, what is that? Yeah. And so I think through nannying, it's been really... Um, nice really interesting because you get to explore all of those topics with them for the first time yeah like what does this mean why is your skin brown what why is my skin white can i have brown skin like you where did you get that from (laughs) and you're like well let's sit down and talk about this Mm -hmm. and i think that with kids that often manifest in like let's go to the library and get a children's book that will explain to you (laughs) this in uh uh a way that children can understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've I've definitely had quite a few charges who have, you know, when they reach the age of, like, comparing themselves to their peers, which happens, like, fairly early, mm-hmm. they're like, well, why does my body look like this and their body look like that? And so, you know, the answer is, like, all bodies are different. That's why your body looks like that. Also, yeah. sometimes genetics, like your body looks like mom's body or like your body looks like dad's body. You have these things. How cool for you to be engaged with a child in a way that like helps them understand these things. Mm. You know, I think that's cool. It's like a really, it's a powerful, like special place to be. And interrogate your own understanding of the world too. Yeah. Like I remember that with my cousins and them asking questions about just like the natural world too. They're like, why is this the way it is? I'm like, I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah. I've never asked that. Or if I did, nobody gave me an answer or I just said it was the way it was. So it helps you to kind of perceive like, oh, maybe I'd take a moment and rethink on what that looks like. Yeah. I definitely had to be like a researcher, you know, kids are like, what what does it what does gravity mean? And I'm like, hold on, let me like one, <laughs> let me look up the actual scientific definition of gravity, and then <laughs> let me put it in a term that you can understand. Um, but I think yeah, kids definitely made me look at myself. Like I remember the first time a charge called me fat, and I was like offended, and then I was like, no, you are fat. Like 
she's just observing what she's seeing. And I was like, oh, yeah. So then my answer would become like, oh, you're right. I am fat. And they'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Move on <laughs> to the next yeah. thing. They just like accept it as it is. And mm-hmm. like the moralizing that kids learn is what we put on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Patrice, you're originally from Texas. Mm. What brought you to the Midwest? And, like, what do you think about the Midwest? You've been here for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, I don't know how many Midwest sensibilities I have. (laughs) Probably none. I'm still a Texan at heart. Um, So, yeah, I really just moved here for college. Really? I've been here for over a decade, probably closer to 15 years now. Um, I, like, I tell people this story, but, like, when I was a senior in high school, I only applied to one college, early admission, and I was a hotshot, so I was so sure I was going to get in, and then I didn't, <laughs> and my world crumbled around me. Whoa. Oh like, gosh. it was second semester of senior year, and I was like, I applied to no other colleges. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, and that one college was in Texas, mm-hmm. um, and so then after that, I was like, well, F everything, basically. So I went on PrincetonReview.com, which is probably not something that anyone <laughs> remembers. Um, I had one of the big books. Yeah. Well, so yeah, like that's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Back when the internet was young uh, and was just, I thought at the time that I wanted to be a criminal psychologist uh, because I'm fascinated by serial killers. Um, <laughs> and so I was looking for psychology programs. Mm-hmm. And then the other caveat was like, I need to get the heck out of Dodge. Like, do I want to stay in Texas forever? So I applied to a school in Pennsylvania. I applied to Hamlin. I applied to a school in Oregon. I was just like, where can I go that is so far away that (laughs) no one can ever reach me? Um, And so when I visited Hamlin, I actually had a terrible time. The person who hosted me, we didn't leave her room. We only went outside for her to smoke cigarettes, and we walked to the essay. Mm -mm. It was so bad. And it was, like, rainy when I was here. Oh, rough. It was terrible. But I chose Hamlin because the other schools I had applied to were pretty rural. Mm -hmm. Um, And I grew up in Dallas, which is, like, a huge city. Um, And also one of the other schools that I applied to, like, forced you to take religion courses Mm. every semester. Which... Ironically, I was a religious studies major at all. So, <laughs> fooled me. Um, so I didn't choose there right. because I was like, no one's going to tell me I have to take religion classes. Um, so, yeah, I came to Hamlin and I don't regret it at all. I, I love the Twin Cities. I love being here. No intentions of ever moving back to Texas. Like, sorry, mom. Aww. So. Do you think you'll live, like, here in the Twin Cities? Like, when you imagine yourself growing old, is it here mm-hmm. or is it elsewhere? Um, I could definitely grow old here. I think um, sort of that that thing you realize as you get older is, like, friend circles get smaller and smaller. And so I imagine trying to start over in a new city mm. and being terrified. Yeah. Because there's... I feel like I'm at the point in my life where there's no built-in friends anymore. Like, when you move for college or grad school or whatever, there are built-in social circles. And depending on the place you go, it might be really hard to make friends. Like, I imagine if I moved here for the first time in my 30s that I would have no friends because Midwesterners are hard to break in with. Yeah. Um, And so if... If I did move, I think the impetus would have to come from my partner, Mm. um, which, like, we've talked about 
moving elsewhere or somewhere more diverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so who knows? But I could definitely live here forever. I think the Twin Cities has like a really unique scene. It's like feels like a small village, but it's also a big city and yeah. there's like a ton of nature and like all of the communities are like popping. Like the, the queer community here is really great. Like the fat community here is really great. You know, like the small black community here is really great. Um, so, yeah, I could be here. I could be here. Do you have a, you have a follow-up? You're percolating I mean, on something. No, it's just more of a comment, so I don't even mm. know that we need to keep it. But, like, that's so astute because that's the consistent critique about the Twin Cities is that we're so appealing on so many levels, but we're not doing anything to keep people of color here once mm. they get here. And it does come back to that, like, clickish nature. Like, oh, nobody's inviting anybody to the weekend uh, in the cabins because you're not in that inner circle of yeah. people. And so, I mean... Hamlin was that's like my friend group now of course I have friends from like other experiences too but that's like the closest folks for me mm-hmm. I mean as exhibited in this room right yeah. now <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> um but I was wondering like what has it looked like for you to branch out into other groups or like you know build that community outside of of that built-in school setting yeah um so weirdly I feel like I've had to not weirdly I've just had to try pretty hard to make friends. I've had career paths that have been very isolating. Mm. So like doula work is very isolating. You are an independent contractor, you work on your own. There is like a really thriving doula community, but ultimately it's just you Mm -hmm. and then, you know, your clients and like you can be weird and be like, hey client, do you want to be my friend? Which Mm -hmm. sometimes I've done and been like, you're a really cool person and I've also seen you give birth. <laughs> We're very <laughs> close <friends>. now. <laughs> Don't you think we should be friends? Um, and the same with, with nannying. It's very isolating. You know, you go to parks, sometimes you meet other nannies, but really you're just like with a kid all day mm-hmm. and you see their family and that's really about it. Um, so right now in my life, I'm trying Bumble BFF. Oh. Um, which like I have a really great core group of friends Mm -hmm. um, and I love all my friends but they're all very white Mm. Um, and so I'm pretty exclusively using Bumble BFF to try to meet other women of color Mm -hmm. because I have almost none in my life right now Mm -hmm. or they've moved elsewhere Mm -hmm. um, because the Twin Cities was not welcoming for them Yeah. Um, so it's been an interesting (laughs) endeavor uh, to try to use Bumble BFF. I think that um, trying to set up friend dates is way more awkward than trying to set up like, like romantic, romantic dates. <laughs> I'm like, how does this work? Do you want to go for a drink? Or like, what happens now that we've been chatting <laughs> on the internet for a while? There's I'm no sure. movie that tells me how this is supposed yeah, to go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Can we start that rom-com? I'm, I'm here for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've tried to seek out friendships from people and I'm I'm not usually very shy about that. My best friend Laura will tell you like I saw her at a party and I was like, "Hi, I think that we should be better friends." And then we spent the entire night together. Like we stayed up until 4 a.m. That's sweet. I was like, "Let's be friends now. Are you ready? Let's go." Okay. <laughs> that's a very non-midwestern approach to something, oh, yeah, yes, which is yeah. perfect. <laughs> But that's not the first time I've heard that about Bumble BFF either. I have a friend who moved to New York, friend of the pod, Anna, oh, and Anna. she's been trying to use it too. And she said it's just been like really difficult yeah. and really challenging, which 
I would say same thing for dating online too. Yeah. But I think there's just different <laughs> expectations. Yep. It's a whole nother episode. A whole other podcast, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's just different expectations around finding friends, and mm-hmm. then yeah, especially women of color. Like, yeah, I'm. If I can do, if this podcast can do anything to connect you with other folks, like that would be amazing. Like, here's here's my Bumble BFF profile. Do you want to be friends? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like we're gonna ask you for like whatever. Like we would like to tag you on something mm. or to send people your way. So oh. truly, maybe you will make a friend out of this. Oh, yeah. I hope so. I love friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love fr- I, I'll say I love friends with the caveat of like I'm an extreme introvert, and so like people have to drag me out of the house. People are like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm in my pajamas in bed, and I've been here." all day and they're like come out and I'm like uh, I don't know <laughs> that's the best way to live life, that's, know, right? that's me people have to literally come and knock on my door and be like we're leaving they're now, at please, your window come out. <laughs> um, yeah so that's that's my only caveat is like I want to be your friend but also I want to stay inside mm-hmm. introvert dates my favorite dates what Let does that look like alone together yeah. Ooh. yeah like let's read a book next to each other yes let's go to an art museum and only talk periodically let's play very strategic board games where you don't talk very much wow. but we're still here together it's the time <laughs> <That's Yeah. sweet. laughs> exactly it's Qu- the quality time is like my number one love language oh, sweet yeah i love that also, that's so real. Nobody talks about that in friendships and just the opportunity of, like, spending time, especially as you get older. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that you can spend time with somebody. Like, we've talked about that with Kat and I. Like, our friendship is definitely developed because we're spending so much time through the so podcast much here. time. Yeah. It's good time. It's great it's time. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. But also, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't see you. No, that's I mean, a quarter as we've talked we about this, this before, too. It's like for me, the only way I can consistently see people is if I do like work related projects with them, mm-hmm. which like is exciting. And also like, whoa, that's kind of shitty. <laughs> you know that like I just like, yeah, it's just time yeah. is precious at yeah. this point. Yeah. too. It's so precious. Yeah. And there's a lot of demands on our time. Mm-hmm. That's very and true. Time, you cannot get it back. No. Mm-hmm. And like your bed is really comfortable. So. Oh, and that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. And my bed is really comfortable. It's a Casper. This is not oh. sponsored. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I feel I wrote like all of this stuff about um, just about how like I feel like I've always been a confident person or like a fairly popular person. Um, but like that either like my blackness my queerness or my fatness like stopped me from experiencing things Mm. that like my peers were um so like I think for example like I wrote this down too is like in high school I remember that I had this like huge crush on someone and um they told me that they couldn't date me one because I was black and two because I was fat and I was like what do you mean I'm like the best yeah um and then uh, I was just, like, thinking about this, and I also, like, pulled this lyric, that Janelle Monae song, I like that, which mm. is, like, her being, like, I'm the best. I've always known that I'm the best. Um, like, and I don't care if I'm the only person who likes that. And I feel like that's probably been my attitude, like, throughout my life mm-hmm. is, like, I am going to do that. Who cares what you think? Forget you if you don't like me. That's it. It's also a great song. It is a great song. It's so yeah, good. I've been blasting it. 
I okay. I think. Have you watched Pen Fifteen? Yes. Okay, so Soraya watched it. I started last night, and I think what you said, like, that's part of why I don't like Pen Fifteen because it's awkward as fuck. But it reminds me of like how like the awkward things I went through at that time mm. in my life. I think especially because because I'm fat, right? Like I feel, yeah. and I feel like. So I think initially I was like, oh, like, they're going to be, like, left out of all these things, and I'm really going to identify with that. And then they start doing more things, and I was like, oh, like, I didn't get to do that, you know? Mm. And I just, that's something I've been thinking about. So that really, like, woof, yeah, you're making me think. It's been a very thinking-heavy weekend, (laughs) (laughs) full of reflection. (laughs) What did you think of Pen15? Uh, I loved it for the aesthetic. I was like, where did you guys find full-grown Delia's catalog? Like, I was like, I had that shirt. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't wear very much because it didn't fit well because Delia's did not go up. They did not size up, yeah. But I was just like, oh, my God, where did you find all of these things that are from from my childhood? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there were definitely things that didn't resonate with me. I was talking with some friends previously about, like, the thong episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just watched that one. (laughs) That never happened for me. (laughs) I wasn't, like, like, who was strutting down the hall in my thong. I was like... Um, can people see my underwear? Like, I, w- I want to, like, wear the baggiest clothes possible. Right. Or that one sweatshirt you wore the whole year of right, seventh exactly. grade. Like, <laughs> oh, no, that was just me. In middle school. <laughs> it was not a good look. I did, I did not come into my own fashion until later. I was like, mm, it was not a good time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the narratives are very different. I think the awkwardness for me is, like, enjoyable because I'm so far removed from it at this point. Yes. Where I feel like, like, to your point, like, I'm where I'm at and I feel really good in that granted you've been there for a while so that's a little bit different but I watched that and I was like oh yeah I remember feeling that awkward and then it's just the little details like you said the outfits but also at one point they're in the band room and this like Love kid this. has a freaking live strong bracelet on <laughs> <laughs> died so <laughs> <silent>. yeah <laughs> it's just those little moments I'm like oh my god how do they remember that yeah. or and like the, the folded notes mm-hmm. like that were folded oh, in intricate yes. ways and yeah, just AIM screen names, everything. the two pieces of hair, oh, just oh, yes. the two pieces of hair. Oh. Yes, mm-hmm. I just talked last night with some people about what your first screen name was. <gasps> yeah, mine was Texas Angel eighty eight. Oh, that's yes. a good one. Yes. It, was, it was bad. Cat. Mine was Lime Cat two thousand. Lime is my favorite color. Cat is my name, and two thousand was the year my mom created it for me. <laughs> She's a computer programmer, so she was, like, always way more savvy with the internet than me. (laughs) That was a very good one. Blindcat 2000. Y'all, mine is embarrassing. It's it's Think Frenetic, and it was from Mm -hmm. a freaking Bright Eyes song or something like that. It was, it's rough. It's rough. You were just... You were a music kid. Mm-hmm. I was trying to be a music mm-hmm. kid is what it is. Yeah. I didn't know what music actually was because my family never, like, we didn't listen growing up. And so I was, like, finally, like, oh, I have access to music. Let's just go to the most obscure, thi- obscure in air quotes, <laughs> things and, I like, lean Friday's, into it. Honestly. Right. <laughs> sure. And they're great. But also, like, to put that, that, that was very much, like, poser, like, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Away messages. Lyrics. Oh. See if oh, you can guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Agonizing over away messages. Wow. Flirting on oh. AIM. Oh, and like, okay, I went um, years ago, I went home 
my mom before my mom moved and i was like going through boxes of stuff like she's like caitlin this is like way too much stuff to have here like can you condense it into like a few totes <laughs> and i'm like okay i'll work on it <laughs> i'm going through stuff and i found like printed out am conversations that had like <gasps> contained dramatic things that i brought to school to oh tell my, my friends God. yes yes like can you believe so and so said this yes yeah, I, like, I did not realize that I was such, like, a shit talk. I guess I wasn't, there was a few moments. I, I like it when drama happens around me, but I'm not, not, not when, I, not when I'm involved <laughs> with it. But I think I was involved with a, a few dramatic moments. Ooh. Maybe that's why you're not loving Pen15 either, because it is pretty dramatic. It is. And I just think, too, like, I, like, what you said before, like, having, like, yeah, it's, like, fun and funny to look back on, because it's, like, you know you're not there. And obviously, like, I'm not there either. But I think... This, like, year, I just think there's a lot of things I'm realizing, like, I haven't totally, like, I, I don't think about purposely. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, don't address mentally because I just don't want to deal with that. And it would probably behoove me to, like, address some of those things. And I think that maybe is bringing mm. them up a little bit. Interesting. I don't know. Hmm. 10, 15. 10, 15. Yeah. Middle school. Awkward times. Yeah. I did find recently a... A journal that I have kept that was a shared journal between <gasps> my Whoa. friends and I in middle school. Mm-hmm. We just like passed it all around to each other. Oof, is bad. <laughs> it's so good though. It's like interesting. Yeah, it's bad. It's like we we were terrible in middle school. Middle school mm. girls are terrible. I feel like in general yeah, that age is yeah. Just rough. middle schoolers are terrible yeah it's a rough time emotionally physically like mm, so much angst <laughs> lots so <laughs> much angst did you work with middle schoolers at all no okay because I only like children who are under the age of six <laughs> Truly, like, five and under, six and under, and then high school are, like, the two good yeah. ages, in my opinion, as well. <laughs> I, to any of our middle school listeners. No. Just <laughs> just we love you. No, it's okay that you're trash right now because you'll come out of it. Also, Everyone was trash in middle school. Also, really love, <laughs> love that you're just listening to some millennials just chat over here. Oh it God. gets better. <laughs> if you are a millennial, or excuse me, if you are a middle schooler listening to this, you got to message us. Like, I can't also, imagine. Also, you're, like, way hipper than I was <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We'll probably interview at the yeah. Yeah, like, Oh, my gosh. Give I me love, DMs. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that you have, a, like, a shared journal because something I want to ask you, too. Earlier, you said, like, creative outlets and things mm. like that. Like, what does that look like or what has that looked like for you over the years? Um... I've always been a writer. I have literally one million of these moleskin notebooks. She's holding yes. and showing off yeah. like a little Vanna it's White situation. It's a very specific notebook. I literally only buy these notebooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what the like uh, name, name is. of the the brand is moleskin, but it, it's got like a Paris or something. Like they have different yeah, names for the different like a, yeah. styles. Yeah. Yeah. So this notebook, which I discovered in college when I was, like, looking for, like, a notebook that works for me because I'm very particular about things, like writing utensils and things that I write in. Mm -hmm. So I've always kept a journal. I started keeping a journal probably when I was, like, 10 and uh, writing really bad poetry um, and some really good poetry. I won a few poetry awards when I was younger. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, I continued writing in college and did creative writing there, um, but never very seriously. Um, so, yeah, I continue to write, um, and I think that that is something, like, one day when I die, someone will find 1,000 moleskins and dig through them and be like, wow. Patrice was very uninteresting. Um, 
I just like I write know. lists and things also sometimes. I so it's like just though. like boring details and like, yeah, whatever. Some of it's good. Some of it's like just mundane things. But think about those moments. Like you said, you found that journal from your friend yeah. group. Like you're immediately transported back to that moment in that oh, yes. time yeah. and like reflections of that. I think that's really cool. I can't keep a journal to save my life. So Oh, it's not consistent. I will say that. Like I will skip like long periods of time and then come back and journal. But I think like if I like put together all the years that I've kept a journal mm-hmm. that it seems more consistent, but there are some some years where like I won't journal for like 9 months mm-hmm. and then I'll like okay, now it's time. Let's write it. Yes, yeah. it is time. <laughs> now let's do it again. It'll be good for your memoirs. Yeah, so oh. that and um, I play the ukulele very poorly. <gasps> you do when I'm feeling sad. I oh, play so the ukulele cool. to myself, uh, and I like to sing poorly. And I'll sing in front of people. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I like I like music in general. Um, like our patron saint Lizzo, I'm also a flautist. Mm-hmm. I played from <gasps> fifth grade oh all the way through college. Um, so like a lot of my life was spent playing the flute and being in marching band and stuff. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't twerk in flute though, so not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Dreams, yeah. goals. Um, yeah. You go to a lot of shows, don't you? I, I try to here and there. Um, I do. Yeah. I like, I like being at shows like, and I, because I'm short, I, like, weasel to the front. <laughs> I, like, I usually go to shows by myself because, like, one, either everyone I go with is, like, way taller than me or are, is not enjoying the show as much as I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, let's go to the front <laughs> and be mm-hmm. in the crowd mm-hmm. and, like, move and sway with it. Um, and, yeah, I like dancing. That's, like, a creative outlet for me, but not, like, you know, I'm not, like, a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um can add this to your bumble profile yes this is some good stuff so anybody who's listening you could link your your episode in your bumble profile (laughs) this is me i should just put like my nanny resume is probably like the one body of work that i'm like most creatively proud of it's very funny i like say things like uh that i'm like a world class like hide and seek player like uh like a below average hider and like a great <laughs> seeker. <laughs> kids can find me really easily, but I will take forever to find them, which is oh, usually what yeah, kids Yeah, they just want to hide anyway. Yeah, so. Dang, that's cute. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so lovely talking with you. Thanks for your time today, Patrice. And thanks for telling us your story. As, As a, a matter, matter of fact. <laughs> Pretty sure I say this every time, but that was such a fun interview. Patrice is bae without basicity. (laughs) Yes. So we did get an update from Patrice since we last talked with her. She's had a very busy summer full of camping, moving, and buying too many plants. I don't know if there is such a thing. Uh, Also, she's no longer looking for friends via Bumble BFF. She said that much like romantic online dating, friend dating is so awkward and hard and people ghost you just as much. Uh, However, she's still accepting friends via some sort of meet cute or introduction. And speaking of friends, Patrice has started her own podcast with two friends. It's a Grey's Anatomy recap slash discourse pod with old content and new hot takes. 
it's actually a continuation of a pod that they started in 2016 and are now picking up again. It's called Code Grace with old episodes on all of the platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, etc., and new episodes airing in late September 2019. Patrice also found her summer jam just in the nick of time, which you can check out in the show notes. And ugh, Patrice is so cool. She is an absolute gem. So beautiful, so wonderful. Basically the opposite of what we're getting into in Dirt Dirt and Discourse. It's time for the Dirt and Discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. Let's get into the discomfort around how creepy fat phobia is. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're going about your day and everything is just as it usually is, ups and downs, but overall normal, and then bam, the fat phobia hits. Ah! (laughs) That was supposed to be a shriek. Uh, No, we got got it. (laughs) Um, Okay, you... (laughs) The fat phobia hits. It's like a classic horror movie, always lurking and waiting and watching, but maybe luring you into complacency before it rears its ugly head. For example, as we talked about with Patrice, meeting people and making new friends as an adult can be hard. I also want to preface all of this and say that it isn't about someone specific, but rather an experience that myself and most possibly others have encountered. Most possibly, most assuredly. I mean, maybe people in the studio may have mm-hmm. also encountered this. So uh, anyways, you meet a new person that seems to align with your values. You're vibing and really agree on topics that are important to you. For me, this would be someone talking eloquently about racism and homophobia and access to healthcare and classism and culture and has a little snarkiness. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, it's yeah. All, that's the classic cocktail. And the conversation is going at a really good clip and then they let it drop. I think it's cool that body positivity encourages people to be confident in themselves, but obesity epidemic, it's really a big issue, and diabetes is a huge problem in this country. Ah! <laughs> or you've clearly figured out how to dress your body type, but did you see that person? Like, why did they think that they could get away with wearing shorts like that? Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Or I heard this cool thing on NPR the other day about something I think you'd be interested in. Um, It's not a diet. It's using small goals in psychology to lose weight. No. I cannot. Cat. Kat, what are your examples of surprise fat phobia? Okay, let's just talk about your last example, which yeah. is Noom. That's a huge one of mine. Noom is a weight loss program that advertises that it's different without actually giving us any information about how it might be different from every awful, unsustainable weight loss program out there. Except, recently, they just changed their NPR commercial to give us some details. And you'll never guess what they've shared. Um, is it psychology and small goals? <laughs> okay, that was their language, but... They've given us a few more deets. Um, So they now talk about how their system, they have a system that assigns a red, yellow, and green light to foods. Oh, no. Um, Excuse me? Uh, That Didn't we... This feels like last week. Yeah, last last, like our last episode where Weight Watchers has their Kerbo app that has like just the exact same thing. And Kerbo was met with widespread concern. So like, I just, you can't make this shit up. Like, what a terrible idea, Noom. Among many terrible ideas, right? You know, it's like diet and weight loss culture permeates our radio waves in every way. Um, I think a lot about like every morning radio show ever. Yeah. And one might think that we'd be safe listening to NPR. Nope. Here comes Noom. I'm actually like, okay, I'm I'm going on and on about this, but um, I'm really disappointed by NPR's decision to let them underwrite and, as such, have been tweeting them regularly about this for the last nine She's months. She's got the receipts, folks. I truly do. Um, I regret to inform you that they have not um, responded to my feedback. <laughs> 
<laughs> poor intern who's like running Where's MPRs. that girl again <laughs> like, like, I don't know how to do this yeah. I don't know um, I guess like I, that's like a big old example another example that feels like it happens kind of often is like I'll be innocently watching someone's Instagram story because you know I curate my Instagram um, thinking like you know most people I follow are down with fat liberation and body positivity just watching some stories and then bam it's a whole 30 discussion or boom a cleanse or ugh, a detox mm-mm you're so innocent and unprepared in those moments. Yes. And it feels especially hard when, like, it's when you don't expect it or aren't prepped for it. Exactly. Like, so uh, for me, there are instances where, like, I would be prepped. Like, you know, watching Friends or basically any TV show from the 90s, I'm on guard. I'm expecting it. Someone waltzing into my shop, starting to announce how much weight they've lost is the reason why they're selling clothes. Like, my spidey senses are already up. Catching up with an old friend who I know is on a weight loss journey, I'm prepared. You know, at the doctor's office, we're ready. But in situations where we aren't expecting it, it can just feel especially hard. And it sucks. Sure does. So do better, world. We're sick of these bad surprises. Ah! Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm leaving that in. And with that call to action, we want to thank you for listening to the scary story that is fat phobia. For joining our conversation with Patrice Anthony. And digging into our very deep fat dish this week. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen. See you back here in two weeks for another episode of Matter Matter of Fat. Fat.